Hey, Don, what's up? The steps. How do they work? Give it up. One, two, three. Clean it up. Four through seven. Make it up. Eight and nine. Keep it up. 10, 11, 12. Woo! Where'd you hear that? I, I heard, heard it through, through the, the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, everybody, I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Do you ever feel like these AAs are just too Pollyanna? Everything's now all rainbows. We're all sitting around drinking that free bubble up and eating that rainbow stew. Um, Don, you sound like you've been eating some rainbow stew. <laughs> That's Merle Haggard, Rainbow Stew. Look it up. It's a hilarious song. I love it. <laughs> you know, I, I went to a, a meeting and there was a, this old lady sitting up there on the front of the room and she was talking about being sober for 40 years. And, you know, the thing is, it just gets better and better as long as I'm sober. And I was like two weeks sober. <laughs> And I felt like, what is she talking about? She's in a dream world. That sounds like it might have sat like rainbow stew would on your belly. <laughs> it's the truth. It was hard for me to accept that. But after being sober, in sobriety, things got better. And my life got better because I quit creating more problems. I started doing the next right thing, you know, making a one choice that would be a choice that was a right choice instead of making one choice that was a wrong choice, followed by another wrong choice, followed by another wrong choice. When I was <laughs> drinking, that's what I did. And I created destruction all around me. So my life got better, but that doesn't mean that everything in my life has gone perfectly. And sometimes in sobriety, we have to deal with major problems. There's death and there's illness and different things like that. Yeah, life shows up and uh, we're not guaranteed that life gets better. But what my experience has been and what I've heard so many people share is they get better at living life. Yeah. And I believe now that no matter what happens to me, I can stay sober through anything. Yeah, that's where I am too. You know, I went through a thing years ago. I was probably five years sober, maybe. We had sold our house. I was on a business trip and my husband was taking care of the move and we were going to be in our new house. When I came back from the business trip, everything fell through. I get a call when I'm in the airport, ready to board the plane to come home that we don't have a home to go to. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of our house is sold. All of our stuff is in a truck parked on the side of the road where he's collecting the dog crates and, and the, the necessities that we need. One of the people on that business trip was someone who was involved with a hotel system that provides long stay. And she made an arrangement for us to stay in this long stay hotel with the dogs and everything 
for a week or so until we could figure out what we were going to do. And, and then, you know, I, I wound up staying in one place with the dogs. He was staying at another place, taking care of his work and all that. I was using a friend's office in his house for uh, my business. And I doubled up on my meetings big time. You know, that was an important thing for me to do in that moment because my world was scattered. Nothing worked out the way that you had planned. Nothing worked out the way I planned. And two things that I can tell you about that time. Not once did the idea of taking a drink pop into my head. Mm -hmm. And very early in that entire situation, while we were still in that uh, long stay hotel, a guy that I met in the rooms called me and asked me to sponsor him. And so we went and started talking about sponsorship. Uh, you you were being taken care of yes. by the AA community. Yes. And for me, that is where my higher power is. And, and when I've had times of, like I had a number of strokes a few years ago, four strokes, which is four strokes too many. Indeed. And, <laughs> and it was quite scary. I got through of that with the support of all my people in AA that helped me deal with the fear and with everything else. And, and I always knew I could ask God for help. And for me, that help showed up in the community. Yeah. I got to say 100%. That's my experience too. Higher power, God, whatever you want to call it, it shows up in people for me. Mm -hmm. Well, today we're talking to Georgie F who got sober in 2007. Since then, she has dealt with major health issues and is a living example of serenity matching calamity. My name's Georgie and I'm an alcoholic from Virginia. I have been a member of the Skip With Women's group of Alcoholics Anonymous in Richmond, Virginia for almost the last decade. But last month I moved from Richmond to Charlottesville and so I've had the fun experience of getting to tour AA in a new community. And so I don't have a home group yet. Still looking for a new one here in town. Wow, that's kind of hard moving. Has that been difficult for you? No, it's actually. So one of the things that's been really awesome is that several years ago, after many years of prodding by my sponsor to get involved in service, I got involved in service at the area level. And so for the last several years, I've gotten the experience of knowing AA folks all over the state. And so I travel a lot for work. And so it's been really great to show up in a town and there's somebody that I know there and I can go to a meeting and there's people that I know. So as soon as I moved here, there is one person that I knew from area service and she was able to say, hey, these are great meetings to go to. Here are some folks to introduce you to. Yeah. And I'll say like, one of the cool things about traveling and moving with AA is it doesn't matter where you are. You kind of walk into a room of us and it's like being at home again, which is nice. So you don't ever mm -hmm. feel like you're completely on an island. It really is a cool thing. It's, it's friends I haven't met yet. Right. I moved across the country last year from North Carolina to California. Whoa. And so I didn't get to stay in the same area. So all the people that I knew were still over in North Carolina. I assume Virginia is also an area that's bounded by the state's uh, borders. Mm -hmm. It is. And so, yeah, so that's a, that's an awesome thing moving within the same state. I'm still finding my bearings here because COVID, we moved in the middle of COVID uh, oh, wow. last year. So 
but yeah, it's, it's good. Fortunately, I knew some AAs here as well. Oh, good. Good. And I think moving to a different state too, like the structure of AA can be a little different and the meetings can be a little different. I experienced that when I moved to Chicago, I was like, this isn't this isn't the way AA is supposed to be. That's You're right. doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, th- I think that the, the things that are different when you go to a different area, I traveled a whole bunch and have gone mm-hmm. to meetings all over the country and really all over the world. And the things that are different are the things that don't matter. Right. <laughs> and, Seriously. And I didn't know that before. So I thought this was like desperately important. No, that really is not very important. The color of the chips. Right. <laughs> or not an issue yeah or how often they give them out right like yeah. they, they do that differently yeah I, I love that I love AA and getting the I was right before COVID I was in San Francisco for work and so I got to spend I was there for like a week and a half and got to I dropped to their clubhouse as soon as I got there and got to meet folks and that was just really cool I got, I'm getting divorced which is always not a fun part of of growing up life um and so moving was part of a larger thing, but I've just, I'm just glad for this program. I don't know how people do it that don't have AA. Cause it's just like, I have a safety net no matter where I land. And I just really, I love that. I'm grateful for that. I don't know how folks that don't have, you know, just like this grouping of, of people around you and some structure to how to live your life. I was listening to, I heard a speaker yesterday who's a chronic relapser. And her message was really powerful. And it seemed to be the difference this time for her and all the other times is in times of trouble, turning towards the program instead of like backing away from it, actually Mm -hmm. leaning in on it. Yeah, I can tell you, I think if I didn't get sick, you know, when I was five years sober, this this go round, I don't know that I would have connected the same way that I have. I don't know that I would have been, you know, I would have been in a place vulnerable enough to really have to lean in to the program and not just trust the program, but the people in the program. And then like trusting my higher power and building that spiritual relationship. So I, I mean, I totally get that. I think that was part of my story the first time I was in the rooms and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for, you know, being in a place that, that pushed me toward that because it makes a difference having that for everything. I mean, not just tough days, great days, celebratory days. I mean, all of it, just having folks around you, you know. You know, when I first came in, one of my biggest concerns was, well, my biggest concern was the word God. Right, <laughs> That's in too. the step. And, <laughs> you know, I was worried that, okay, I'm going to go to AA. This is, I'm, I'm going to be brainwashed. And somebody said, you know, maybe my brain could use a light rinse. And it was, it was, that was definitely the case, but, but still I was afraid that what was being asked of me was with surrender, which included my intellect, it seemed. And so how do you talk to someone about what is this surrender to a higher power and not become a mindless zombie? Yeah. <laughs> No, I think I've had this conversation a lot with, with sponsees and folks that I've worked with in the program. Cause I mean, it is, it's the first thing, I don't know, I guess everybody doesn't come in here with a religious chip on their shoulder, but I know a lot of us do. And so the whole idea of, you know, we hold hands, we say prayers, we sound like we're chanting, like, you know, all of those things can be scary in the beginning. So I know um, when I've talked about in the past, I talked to folks about the idea of if you're terrified of the G word, 
or even terrified of the higher power idea, right? Like let the group for a little while be an organization or something that you can lean on, that you can trust. Let, let yourself believe that the folks around you can be here and support you and guide you through this process. And then as folks sort of let their guard down and let people in, like I've started to say, do you, do you see where this thing's going on in your life? And you've been met with an answer. You've been met with, you know, being caught mid fall or the middle of something going on. And could you be open to the idea, right? That there's something bigger than us. Like, how did you end up here? I mean, I look at my story, look at so many people's stories. Like, how did you stay alive long enough to land in the rooms around people? Like, what do you think is, is guiding that? And then I, I share a lot about, it's hard to surrender. I mean, I was not, I was not a person that surrendered to this program to the idea of having a higher power until I was literally on my knees until I was very, very sick till I was alone doing it. And then it was like, well, it's just me, this illness and whatever's out there. Right. So I think I always let folks know, look at the people that surround you and let that be your higher power for a little while until you can trust that maybe there's something different until your experience can be different. I think that's a very important point to make is, is that opportunity to reflect on what has happened in my life recently. Absolutely. Is there something there that is like uh, perhaps a little too coincidental? (laughs) You you told us a little bit about your, your illness and that you, you, you were hospitalized quite a bit Uh, and (laughs) you know, I related instantly to a period that I went through with two hospitalizations over, over a period of two months where they ruptured appendix and the subsequent infections. And one of the things that I experienced in that time was I was not railing at things. I was not shaking my fist at God or anything like that. What I found was that I truly gave myself over to the care of power greater than me. And in many ways that was manifesting for me in the people in the hospital who were taking care of me. Mm -hmm. I won't say that I was a model patient. I was a good patient. I was grateful. I was not an angry patient. My gratitude for how they were taking care of me was really powerful for my experience of being ill and being able to trust in higher power. So that was a long-winded way of me saying, I related to what you had to say. And would you like to talk about any of that? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure. I mean, you're right. You know, when you're really sick and you're in a hospital room and you can't fix what's going on, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a total control freak, right? Like I'm going to fix, manage, (laughs) like control everything that's going on in my life. And then when you are sick and you can't fix it or manage it, And then all of a sudden you're totally dependent on this system, on these people, like with your life. I don't know. It's you in the hospital bed and this team of people for me, like I railed against giving up any, like any control in my life, like any little tiny bit of spirituality and getting, I got sick and it was life moved really fast. And part of my illness was when I was going through a type of radiation treatment. I couldn't be around anyone because my radiation, I took it the first time I had radiation, I did it orally. And so you sort of irradiate everybody around you. And so you have to be Um, alone in a room by yourself for two weeks. And it's like, 
people handing you stuff through a door and like, that's it. I had a surgery and then I had that um, as sort of my introduction. And it was like, man, it's just me in this room and these folks that are taking care of me. And that was, that was when I started to realize like, I've got to give it up. Like I I'm here and I'm powerless and I can't do anything about what's going on with me. And so I've got to just trust. And my sponsor had this faith that was enormous, like just this huge faith. And she would talk about it all the time. And she would say, if you just stop trying to like manage and control everything and just let go for a little while, you'll see, you'll start to see it around you. And I did getting sick. I thought, I don't know what I thought was going to happen when I got sick. I thought that it'd be over really quickly, but it ended up being several, you know, several years of my life. And I have some chronic conditions now that still, you know, require me to be in the hospital for infusions or to stay inpatient, you know, a couple of times a year. And, and so I, I guess through that entire process, I had to let go. Like I had to let go. Am I going to live through this? I had small children at that time. My kids were two and one and nine months. I had to let go of that. And like, am I going to be alive to see my kids later on? Am I going to make it through this? And so when you're years down that process, people talk about a burning bush experience and being sick. Was that for me, it was the realization that I had God working in my life constantly, keeping my wife. Okay. Keeping my children. Okay. Keeping our bills paid, keeping my health insurance, allowing these people to take care of me in the hospital. You're talking about letting go of control. And this is the same as when I first got sober. Well, I'm going to let go of the, like the future and like my work. Do I have to, what I'm supposed to strive and fight and struggle to make clients call me up. So my work continues and it's up to me to push and and all of AA was saying, no, let go. And that it seems so nonsensical. It's the same thing when faced with illness. It's possible to let go and let my higher power take care of the future. And I just deal with what's going on just today. Right. And there's a big difference between letting go and being apathetic. Absolutely. Taking your claws out of something right? Like trying to control and manage the outcome and, and right. Seriously. I think that's the gift of this program though, is when you can find that place where you are not because all of the world tells you to like, you know, work harder, work faster, work to control everything. Right. And, and I think the gift of this program is the idea that no, like you can take your claws out of it. You can, you can take the next right step. You can be an active presence in your life but you don't have to try to like fix, manage and control all of it. It's going to be okay. You can step back and and let go of that. But fix, manage and control means I get to create the world and and adjust it to suit my comfort. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Except what are you like? When I look back at that, what I would have set up for my life is not anywhere near what I've been given, right? Like getting out of the way of it has given me a life. That's just, It's just so much more beautiful than if I had, if I had been able to manage and fix it and control it and set it up the way that I wanted to, it's just, it wouldn't have been the life that I have now. You're here. You described looking back now a few times as the way that you saw that a higher power was working in your life. 
and you look back on it and see how it worked. And this happened to me recently when I, my son got cancer and had surgery. <sighs> and I was in the valley of despair is the way I describe it for a period of a couple of weeks. Yeah. And nothing would touch it. And I felt like well, I lost all contact with higher power or anything. It was all pointless and meaningless. Right. Yet looking back on it now from distance, I can see how I was carried through that time period by the people in AA that were still there for me and were mm -hmm. going, you know, we'll, you're going to be okay and get through this. And even though it was not, I thought I was handling it very badly. I was handling it as I handled it. Right. And looking back, I could see that I was being carried through it. That is the place where my higher power exists. And this was at a time when I was feeling no connection spiritually. Did you have those moments going through all of this, Georgie? No, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think when you describe that, right, this idea that we get scared, we get scared and we, it's hard to trust what's going on. But yes, I mean, my higher power worked through other people in this program constantly, people showing up at my, people just showing up and sitting in the hospital with me, people bringing meetings to me, people showing up at my house to help my wife with very small children, making meals, taking care of our kids. In so many ways, people were present. And let me tell you, I have to say, this program has people that stuck around for the long haul. Like those people that were making meals in 2011, 2012 are still making meals this past year when I was in the hospital and had surgery oh, wow. again. So they come and they show up, but you're right. And you don't feel connected. You feel like you're in survival in that, in that moment, right? Like you're just one foot in front of the other. I'm, I'm walking with this life that I'm being handed right now. And you feel totally out of, out of control of everything. But when you do, when you look back, you realize like, I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone through any of this. My, my kids weren't alone through any of this. You know, I was constantly surrounded by these people. I got to share this. So I was Please. in a meeting this week. The topic that was brought was hope. Everybody in the meeting share. So, and it started way across the, the, the room from me. So I had plenty of time to figure out what I'm going to share. Cause you know, that's what we do. And uh, <laughs> it was this thing where I had had been in a bad spot recently, mm -hmm. you know, for several days, many days, I had gone dark is what I call it. What occurred to me and what came out when I, when I did that share and I, and I ask for the, the words whenever I do share, I, you know, I'd, I'd rather it's not me speaking. I've got this idea. I've had this idea that hope is supposed to be this shiny, polished, bright, you know, think the the princess in the ivory tower and the never ending story, all that blinding white light and, and prettiness and, and such. And sometimes hope is dusty and muddy and covered in dirt and hairballs. And, you know, it's it's what I had moving through this dark period where I didn't have this like, oh, things are going to be fabulous tomorrow type of hope. It was I just got to keep moving, mm -hmm. keep moving. This is going to change and I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got chills listening to you speak that, that inspired me to sit, to share this part. And I've got them again, talking about that because hope is not necessarily this shiny puppies and unicorns and bright white and all that. Sometimes it's just doing what's in front of us and trusting that we're going to be okay. Right. Right. 
I used to listen to people share it when I got here and I used to think, man, like everything's like unicorns and rainbows. And then you stick around for a little while and you realize like, we're not guaranteed a life that's free from struggle, from chaos, from pain. Like life is still life and it's still here, but we are, we're here. We're guaranteed to not be alone through that. And I think it's that, and you're right. Like we don't know what's going to be on the other side of that, you know, but we know that walking through this life, like we've always been okay, whatever okay looked like. It may not be perfect. It may not be beautiful, but we're always okay. It makes me think about my sponsor, my sponsor who has sponsored me since I was 20 years old through the first eight years that I was here, stayed in touch with me during relapse, was there the minute that I called her from rehab and um, came back in the rooms. She got sick out of the blue. Like I was on a business trip and she was like, I'm not feeling well. I need to go to the ER. A friend of ours took her. And she called me and she said, they said, I have cancer and they're sending me to this other hospital. And I was like, I'm coming home right now. I left my trip and my sponsor took over a parent role for me a really long time ago. And so she was my person and I was her person. And, and I came home and I took off of work and I stayed at the hospital with her. And it was terrifying to watch the person that I love more and my, my pillar, my strength, right. To, to watch them completely vulnerable and very, very sick. And is she got sicker and that we knew that she wasn't going to make it. And this is a really short time, like two months time from the day that she got sick to the day that she died. I'm sorry. How long ago was that? Almost two years. Okay. But you know, you walk through something like that and you're like, my life is never going to be the same. I'm not going to be okay. This is not going to be okay. And you, it's terrible. It's really sad. It's a horrible loss to go through, but like this program and the people were there around her, her people, her support system, her sponsor, her friends, my friends, my support system, my people for all of it. And after it, and you just realize like we go through really difficult things here, you know, like life still happens, but you don't go through any of it alone and, and you end up on the other side of it. And it's exactly as life is, is supposed to be, you know, there's nothing unusual about an alcoholic getting drunk. The unusual thing is every day an alcoholic stays sober. And what you're describing for an alcoholic, the most natural thing in the world is I got to get out of this feeling. Right. The truth is it wouldn't do anything. It wouldn't help. And it also would not just be getting drunk, would would not just be the alcoholic behavior, just getting away. Away from it. Yeah. I'm not going to show up for this. I can't take it. Right. And what a gift that is, right? Because that you're absolutely right. Whether we go and drink or use or anything, right? Or just take off because we don't want to deal with it. You know, like that's all, that's us. That's what we do. And what a gift it is to get to show up and be there for every minute, literally, you know, until she took her very last breath to be able to be present with her and let her know that she wasn't alone. And that's the gift of this program because that's not, it makes me cry. But that's not what we do. That's not what I ever did. You know, I would have left and gotten drunk and 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 come back several months later and said, I'm so sorry. I just couldn't do it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, to be able to show up for life. I mean, what happens when in getting sober is I can appreciate life when it's beautiful. And there are times when it's beautiful and there's times when it's terrible. And I know I can get through anything with thanks to AA and my higher power. Absolutely. And it is really incredible how the fellowship does just show up. I mean, higher power for me shows up in people. 
I, I, a little laugh here when I was first sober and my husband and I were moving to uh, our, our next home, we had too many people show up to help us move. I had never heard of such a problem. And all but two of those people were in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's just nuts. <laughs> it's awesome. Whenever did you have people that show up for you constantly, consistently, right? Like in such a huge way. I don't, the people that I hung out with before I got here certainly were not folks that were going to show up no matter what. It's a gift. And I don't know about you guys, but like the circle of people around me, I just laugh because we're so, we have so many differences and there's so many, like they're not people I would have ever imagined that we would come together and be best friends. You know, whether it's the person that's making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year as a financial planner, or it's the person that just came in the room two days ago and still doesn't have a bed to sleep in. Like we all have this common tie. And when the people start talking, like we are the same, we're the same, we're the same. Georgie, what would you say to that new person coming in who reads the steps and sees this idea of a came to believe in a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity and made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. What can you say to that person? I will tell them what my sponsor told me. And that was, you don't have to believe any of it right now. If you don't have a better solution for your life, give things a try. And the higher power can be anything. And you guys, I'll tell you, my higher power, when I first got here, there was a road being built called 895. And there was a massive crane on the side of the road. My sponsor said, pick anything that's bigger than you. And I think she was thinking like, pick a group, pick something. And I was like, this big crane on 95, that's my higher power. <laughs> and it. she was like, all right, that crane is your higher power. And so it doesn't matter what you pick. Just hang around, keep putting one foot in front of another don't try to read too much into what's being asked of you. For us, a big part of the program was get in the car, you know, like get mm -hmm. in the car, we're going, we're going to a meeting, get in the car, we're going to go help somebody else get in the car, we're going to have coffee. Like just show up and let people love you, let people help you be a part of and the rest of it will reveal itself, whatever your higher power is meant to look like, whatever it means to turn your will and your life over. Like that'll, that'll come and that'll reveal itself. And you don't have to know that right now, but just, just trust. If you don't have a better plan, if you haven't been able to figure this out right now, then just give it a try, you know? Don't sign on to something you don't believe in. Just wait and see what happens. And when it happens, then you yeah. can believe in that. Absolutely. Georgie, it was great to meet you today. Thank you so much for joining us. It was nice to meet you guys. Don, you have to tell me, how's your son? Oh, he's very well. He Good. had surgery and they almost certainly got it. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I'm at the very wit's end. Cuckoo. My wife really gave me a piece of her mind last night. You know, as your sponsor, I have to point out, God sometimes speaks to us through our wives. Wow, I didn't know God used that kind of language. 
<laughs> it's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.